Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Great stuff. Thank you, Annie. Great, great sense of God and worship and really enjoyed the guys. Thank you for leading us so well uh, this evening in, in worship and I wasn't aware of how many people were were here tonight, but it felt like there were lots of us because we're all reaching out to the Lord and worshiping God. And you know what we do when we when we when we come into environments like that, even though there's not loads of us around, we're still pioneering, we're in a pioneering stage, we're still establishing the work of God. But what we do, we sow in um, worship into the very atmosphere of this corner of Nottingham. I really believe that. There's something that happens when people gather in Jesus' name and we declare praises to him and we worship him. There are things that happen. There are things that shift even in the spiritual realm. So don't ever be thinking, oh, well, you know, there's not many of us and it's not like Ilkeston or it's not like Mansfield or, you know, what's happening? Nothing's happening. This is all good. But what we're doing is we're just pressing in and laying a foundation for God to do something amongst us, amen? So guys, be encouraged when you lead us in worship. I'm so thankful you led, led us like there were 4,000 uh, of, us, of us tonight. And I've really felt that we pressed in to the heart of God. And great word as well, Annie. He is the I am. The I, the I am is amongst us. The I am has the power to change situations and bring strongholds down. The I am can do the immeasurably more. And I really believe that with all my heart. Anyway, I'm not there to talk about I am or about worship. I'm here to just bring you a message with regards to a series that we're in calling Behaviours. What is it like to be around here? What is it like to be around here? Well, hopefully already you're understanding what it's like to be around here. It's a place of fun and interaction. We like to eat food we like to drink coffee, we like to give a great welcome, we like to lift up the name of Jesus, we like to open the word and uh, we like to be together and there are some things that we really do want in this house that we're establishing here and uh, in this particular uh, message that I've got this evening and in the uh, ensuing weeks we're going to be talking about some of the furniture that we want in the house, some of the values that we want in the house. What's the point of just having a house with nothing in it? It's just a shell. And uh, I want to tell you that the, the church is not made up of, of, of bricks and mortar. It's not made up of tables and chairs and sound equipment and musical instruments. We are the church and we hold values. And these are some things that we want to speak into. But I'm going to have to go at some pace tonight. So I don't want any nodding off. I don't want anybody thinking, you know, I'd, I'd actually quite like you to kick back your shoes and just enjoy it if you want to. Because I've got two particular values that I want to speak into and the first one that I'm going to address is that of discipleship and if I can say this is the undergirding for the next seven that are going to be coming in the weeks ahead you see we are called principally and first and foremost to be disciples of Jesus Christ we really are in fact it says and I wonder if you turn in your Bibles I think this should come on the screen to Matthew in chapter 28 and the ver- there's a verse there right in the, in the, in the middle of uh, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. And verse 19 reads this. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore go and actually create, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples 
to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So Jesus is instructing us to go and make disciples. Now there's many of you I know that you've made a commitment to follow Jesus and it wasn't that you became a Christian, you also became a disciple, which is really, really important, a disciple. But let me just give some real clarity to this because even if you've been in church for a long, long, long time or you've only been in church for a little time, we can get lost in this. This is really important stuff. This is bodybuilding ministry. This is, this is like foundational stuff that we really need to understand and embrace. Because discipleship is not a course. You may have do growth track and we'd encourage you to do growth track. And by the way, next week, my understanding is that we're gonna encourage people to go on a discipleship journey and we'll send out information to you because we've got, you know, like a, a five, six week group that we're gonna be looking at um, principles of discipleship. It's called Digging Deep to Build Tall. And so it's good to have things that we go through, but let me tell you, discipleship is way more than just going through a course, going through growth track. It's way more than that. Discipleship, actually, the meaning of discipleship means that you are a learner. You are committed to learning. Now, I don't want to bring any embarrassment to this man who's on the back here, but he's at Nottingham University, Emmanuel, and, um, you know, going through a degree. And, and he's, you're learning. You've, you've leaned into learning. You want to get better in a particular subject that's going to lead you into a pathway of career, etc. And numbers of you are graduates. You've been to university here or on your way to university, which is wonderful. It's the same with the Christian life. The difference is we never graduate because we're always learning. We're always on a learning curve. Uh, there's, there's another man who's in here, uh, who, who, his favourite phrase is, every day is a school day. Every day is a school day. And that is true. And in terms of Christian faith, what it means to be a disciple is we're a learner, we're a student. We're leaning in to try and understand more about the values and principles of Jesus. I've been a Christian now for oh, well over 30 years and I just still feel like I'm just learning, I'm still growing, I'm still developing in the things of God. Because like I said, discipleship is way more than a course. It's a lifestyle. And if you are here part of Arena Church, we want you to embrace this lifestyle of learning, lifestyle of growing, lifestyle of developing. Tap the neighbour next to you and do it gently and saying, I think he means... You, I think we all need to be in this lifestyle of learning. Come on, tap them. Lifestyle of learning. We're called to be disciples. It's true. And so that is what the foundation for the ensuing weeks and, and the values that we have seven that we want to see furnished in this house. You see, discipleship is the soil in which the seeds of all the other behaviours are planted. It's no point having a value of honour if we don't have discipleship. It's no good. We're going to be talking about faith in a moment. How can you have faith if you've not planted it in the soil of discipleship? So discipleship is the soil in which all the other values are planted and grow. And without good soil, the seeds will fail to grow. 
And within the good soil of discipleship, the seeds, the values, the behaviours that we have in Arena Church will grow and flourish in this new life with God. Can I get an amen? It's true, those things will become apparent in our lives. And by the way, they will affect your home. They will affect the student accommodation. They will affect, affect how you do that job. They will affect where you work and your workmates. This kind of lifestyle will bring an effect to people that we come into contact with. Now, the three aspects very quickly of a disciple. And by the way, we will give you um, uh, a lot of information at the end of this series that you can take away and you can work through yourselves because there's a lot of stuff that it's impossible to just drive into the detail just in a 30-minute message. But here's three particular aspects or responses of a disciple. You ready? First of all, it's a calling. It's a calling. Now, you might look at me and say, oh, no, 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 you're called Christian. Well, actually, the Bible says we're all called. We're all called. Now, I may be called to open the Bible, and I may be called in terms of the context of what I do, but we're all called in some area or other if we're a Christian. And by the way, if you are a disciple, you have also received a calling. There's a calling that rests upon your life. Matthew 4 verse 19, Jesus said to them, come follow me and I will show you how to go fishing for people. One of the prophetic words that we have been given here as a church, which basically means that God gave us a word. Prophecy is that God speaks through different ways and different forms from the Bible, you know, through a, through a man or a woman, you know, through, through prayer, uh, you know, deep into our heart, lots of ways that he can, he can speak. But he spoke to this church and he, and he showed that this was going to be a, a fishing boat to go fishing from. Now, it's a bit appropriate at the moment, isn't it, with all the floods and all the water that's around and whatever, and we're not calling on floods in Nottingham. But you get the idea that actually we're called to be a fishing boat that goes and reaches others with this good news of Jesus Christ. And by the way, we're not a rowing boat. We're not the biggest building, but we're certainly not a rowing boat. I like to think of us more of a, of a working trawler. We're not a luxury liner where we can all kick back. Anybody ever be here been on a cruise? Give us a wave if you've been on a cruise. Oh, I tell you, it's eat as much as you want, when you want, 24 hours a day. You can do what you want, you know, it's just enjoyment. It's not that kind of boat, but neither is it a rowing boat. It's a working boat where every one of us needs to engage in this calling of being a disciple. Ben Bailey, you are called to be a disciple in Kirk Allen School in year 11 as you're going through your GCSEs. You are called to be a, a, a disciple for him. It's a calling that's on you. In the same way that Morgan Richardson as you're there over at Confetti, and you're doing your job there, earning shed loads of money. If you need a loan, go and speak to Morgan, okay? As is there over at that Newstead Works and all the rest. I've heard all about it, mate. I know all about it, all right? You know, and everything. You, you're called. You're called to be a disciple where you are. Have you got it? It's a calling. So what is the calling? Well, very quickly, a call to obey. A call to love. Now, Jesus said the most, ama most, most amazing thing is this. The most amazing commandment 
is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And then he says, Vinny, that with the second thing is to love your neighbour as yourself. That's sometimes difficult, isn't it? Particularly if you have some obnoxious neighbour. If you have an idiot of a neighbour, am I allowed to say that? If you have a neighbour that you're not really keen on, they always park the car in the wrong way. They always make it difficult for you to get out. They're always making noise next door. It's really difficult to love them. But Jesus says we are called to love our neighbours as we love ourselves. So we're called to obey, to love, to serve. This calling is to serve. Guys, it's not about being served. I am so grateful for the guys with the black t-shirts, by the way. I'm so grateful for guys who have committed to being here on the journey from Arena Church. You know, when many of you would have been, you know, perhaps just enjoying the Sunday night television and just kicking back. You're here. If I can just pay particular credit to Jay and Helen with the two kiddies, it'd be really easy for you to just think, you know what, we've had a busy week. We've got the two little ones. We're gonna, but they've leaned in and just committed to being, to being here, yeah? And many of you have. And by the way, those who have just joined this Nottingham campus, we're delighted, but we want to say that once you've gone to the point of really just getting yourself settled in, you're called to serve. We're saved to serve. We're not saved to just consume. We're saved to serve. We're saved to go and serve other people as Jesus did as he took that robe off and he just had his garments there, his his underwear. That's really what he was on. And he took the towel and the bowl and he washed his disciples' feet, showing everybody for generations to come that even the Son of God, Messiah, the Lord. His, his, his mandate was to serve the world. He actually says, for the Son of Man came, came, came to serve and not to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're called to serve. We're called to love. We're called to obey. And we're also called to sacrifice. I'm sorry, guys. That's the journey we're on. You know, some people talk to me like Christianity is a walk in, a park, a walk in the park. I want to say Christianity is for real men and women of grit and determination. It's not for the faint-hearted because as soon as you step into this beautiful relationship with Jesus, all hell breaks loose. Every Every demonic force will be against you and will try and stop you and prevent you from fulfilling your destiny that God has over your life. Some of you don't even realize the destiny that is over your life. Can I talk as a father to you? Some of you have no idea what God has for you. Do not allow the enemy to rob away your calling. Do not allow the enemy to speak rubbish into your heart. You are called. You are called. You are destined for success. And if I can say this, destined to win, destined for greatness. Am I speaking to anybody here tonight? But there is a sacrifice, there is a battle, there is a challenge that we're entering into as disciples. The second thing that I want to say is this, it's not just a calling, but it's a commitment and I'm going to have to move really fast. It's a commitment. You know, when we step into faith and we encourage people to raise their hand and reach out to God and pray a prayer and really commit their life to Jesus, this is what we're after, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to say yes to Jesus. I remember saying it as a young boy. I kneeled at the front of the church and I remember saying yes to Jesus. 
And I've said yes many times since then. When he said to me, you know, at 16, stop fiddling around with what you're fiddling around with and all the nonsense you're getting caught up with and the girls and all the rest of it. I, wa- I, wa- I want you to say yes to me. And I said yes to him. And then he says, I want you to say yes to give your job up for a year. And I want you to go and serve me for a year and trust me in faith. And I said, yes to God. And then they called to come up here. I said, yes to God. I want to tell you, God keeps asking to draw the yes out of us because it's a commitment. A discipleship is a commitment that we keep saying yes to him and we don't do it begrudgingly. We're glad to say yes. It's amazing that we get to do this, Nathan. We haven't got to do anything. We don't ask you to do anything. You haven't got to do anything in this church. But I look, at, I look at a great group of people that say, you know what, with you, Christian, and, and with God, we get to do this. It's wonderful. But it's a commitment. It's a commitment. A commitment to who? The master, quickly. We have a commitment to the master. His name is Jesus. We have a commitment to the word of God. We want to live out the word of God. That's why it's important that we, you get a Bible and you get in your Bible. You know, it's the Bible that's going to keep you on track. How can a young man, young woman keep their way pure? By the way, how can a middle-aged man, woman, how can an older man, woman, keep the way pure? By hiding your word in my heart. It's the word of God that will keep us central. So we need to have a commitment to the word of God. And we need to have a commitment to bearing fruit. A commitment to be fruitful. And by the way, that commitment to fruitful is God, we, we say a prayer from John 15, if there's anything in me that's unfruitful, cut it away from me because I want to be fruitful. It's a commitment to keeping fresh and young. I'm speaking to some older people, but I'm not looking at anybody, okay? It's a commitment to keeping fresh and young and full of energy and full of vitality. Can I get a big amen from those over the age of 50? And I'm fast approaching that. To bear fruit, it's not just you young'uns, you know, who are going to take this land. It's going to be some Caleb's who are going to take this land as well. And Caleb was 85 and still said, give me this mountain. And I'm fast approaching it, Neil, where I'm getting to that sort of, sort of age where I've gone from young to now middle-aged. Although they now say I'm not middle-aged, I'm still young because it's all shifted or something. And I'm in for that anyway. But uh, I'm committed to bearing fruit. And then the fourth thing is we're committed to the Great Commission. Let me just finish off with the discipleship. Are you still following me on the notes? The third thing is there's a challenge. There's a challenge. I've already talked about that. You know, the upside down truths of the kingdom really do work out in discipleship. If you lose your life, you'll find your life. Well, how can that be? If you lose your life, you'll find your life. But that's what Jesus said. If you'll die, you'll live. That means to say not physically, you know, we kill ourselves. And what an unfortunate story, by the way, with Caroline Flack. I don't know this lady. It really, really saddened me that a lady who's barely 40 felt that she needed to take her own life. How tragic is that? And yet the people like that were doing it all over Nottingham and all over Nottinghamshire. And that's why we're here, to take the good news of Jesus to people who feel hopeless and desperate. But Jesus says, if you'll, if you'll die, you'll live. It's an upside down thing. And it's a challenge to overcome, to prioritize, to live and to yield. You'll get all this in your, in your thing. So have you got it? The, those three things, 
Those three things, there's, there's, a, there's a calling, there's a commitment, there's a challenge in discipleship. And we're all called to go and make disciples and we're all called to be a disciple. But what makes all this possible, and this is value number one, is faith. So just for the last part, I'm going to talk about faith. The Bible says this, Olivia, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you want to know how to please God, you've got to live with faith. He isn't pleased, actually, by the way that we behave and live our lives. He's very pleased as a parent is when the kids do as they're told. But the very thing that pleases God is faith towards him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And this is a value that we have in Arena Church. We are committed to trusting God, trusting in God, even when we don't see the full picture. Now, I want to declare to you, I don't know what the future's got for Ilkeston. Campus, nor Mansfield, nor Belper, nor Toulouse, nor the Hub. Neither do I know what the full picture is for this campus here. But let me tell you to hear uh, to this statement that I've just made. We are committed, listen carefully, we are committed to trusting in God even when we don't see the full picture. So even when we only have 40, 50 people turn out, even when it's not going as fast as we want it to go, we are still committed to trusting in God even when we don't see everything. We're going to apply a faith to our everyday life. Can I get an amen? This is the faith that we're built upon. This is the faith that we are established on. Now Phil reminded me in another context, there are four different kinds of faith. There's a general faith. The general faith is this, and we all apply it every day of every moment. I took general faith, Jacob, by standing on this, because I assumed that it could take my weight. No comments from anybody, okay. I wasn't forever looking underneath it, making sure it was supported. By the way, when I got on a plane, I wasn't checking to say, excuse me, can I see the pilot's qualifications, please? Can I see how many hours he's done? And can I find out his name and whatever? There was none of that. There's general faith and we all apply it throughout our lives. And I was reminded by Phil, that's why there are many people in mental institutions who have lost all kind of general faith. They are fearful about everything. And I want to tell us that's not where God wants us to be. We, we, we all need to apply faith into our everyday life general faith but then the second thing is saving faith this is the faith when Jesus revealed himself to us this is the day when we heard the call from Jesus to come follow me this is where we knew that we were sinners and we were lost and we were broken and we tried everything else and then we realized that it was Jesus and somebody called us like I'm going to call this evening to step into faith. This is saving faith, where we take a step. This is a faith that we, that we take hold of Jesus and Jesus takes hold of us. Are you understanding? Saving faith. But thirdly, there's another faith that's called the gift of faith. And it's in the Bible. This is the gift of faith that can be applied when we're taking crazy harebrained ideas like this and saying we could plant a church in the middle of Nottingham. Why did we think that? It wasn't just a good idea, was it, Nathan? We there was a gift. In that moment, there was a gift of faith. We believed God. We trusted God. There was an inspiration of something that God would bring a breakthrough. There's been many times I was in Toulouse. I was telling one or two of the guys. And whilst I was there, there was a lady who didn't, 
uh, obviously speak any English. Many of them do actually, but she, she didn't speak any English. And I saw her in the service as I was just sharing and God gave me a word for her. I could almost have told her everything that had been happening in her life. He just downloaded it to me. And I thought, God, you're going to have to give me a way to talk this, to this lady afterwards. I didn't know whether she spoke English or French. It just so happened she just spoke French, no English. So I got the interpreter, uh, interpreter over, who interestingly still is not yet a Christian, so I thought I'm going to have to go careful here. And she was a lady. And some of the th- details that God had given me were quite... When I say intimate, there was, there was an intimacy to some of the stuff, so I was very careful and just said to this, to this lady through the interpreter, said, God began to speak to me. Do you know Jesus should know? I says, well, began, God began to show me some things about your life. And in that moment, I, was, I needed faith to believe that it was true, so I started to just speak to her and saying, God had told me this about you, and, God had, and I saw this, and God saw what was happening in that hotel room, and God knew all about it. She began to weep, weep. And I said to Erica, who was translating, I said, just tell her I'm really sorry. So she's saying through in French, look, Christian's really sorry. He's not trying to upset you. And I really wasn't. I was then more upset because I thought, I'm upsetting this dear lady. I don't want to upset her, but she needs to hear this. There was an end of the story and it's wonderful. God, God's really on this, on this lady's case. It's terrific. But what I'm talking about is the gift of faith in that moment. And I'm believing we're going to see more of that. When you guys go on the streets, when you're walking with students, when we're in groups, when you're in the worship thing, just an inspiration of you, just know God says something to you. Some of you guys are in business who are here. The gift of faith to know what you need to say at the right time and it's going to unlock a business deal. Don't just apply this to church. The gift of faith that says, even this morning, I had an inspiration. One of the guys said to me in Ilkeston, his back was playing up and I didn't know he had a bad back. So I said, can I just pray with you? He went, yeah. I could see he'd never. And in that moment, I had the gift of faith, just lay hands on Jesus, touch him, heal him, set him wonderfully free. And this is what he said at the end. He says, have you done then? That was the end of his prayer. Have you done then? I said, yeah, I've done. He didn't know what was happening. But in that moment, I had faith to believe. The gift of faith. And then fourthly, the fruit of faith. The fruit of faith. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The fruit of faith. It's often underrated faithfulness. It's a huge value in Arena Church. We want to be faithful with one another. We want to be faithful to our husbands and our wives. We want to be faithful to our churches. We want to be faithful even in the context of business and work, even though they may not be particularly faithful to us, because it's a value that we hold dear to. Amen? And faith is a very important value for Arena Church. Martin Luther King once explained, faith is like taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And the heart of Arena Community and the heart of Arena Church is that we may not see the whole staircase, but we're going to continue to walk in faith. (laughs) Let me just say, though, what faith isn't. Faith is not a goodie bag that means we never have a problem. For those who say, oh, I'm now in faith. I'm now not going to have any problems. I want to say that is not how it works. It's not the pick and mix of this world. We don't get to choose. 
Somebody said to me recently about some challenges that we're facing and I just responded to them. I think they were looking for something more spiritual and I said, this is life. These are the challenges of life. These are the issues of life that we have to walk through. Let's not over-spiritualize every disaster that's coming our way. Faith is also not a slot machine that always wins the jackpot. There are times when I've stepped out in faith and it's not worked how I've wanted it to work. There are no guarantees. All we have a guarantee is that there is one who will hold us wherever we go and his name is Jesus and we've heard about him tonight. Faith is not a hammock for sleepily watching the world go by. Oh, I'm now in faith. I'm just going to kick and watch the world. No, that isn't how it works. Neither is it a medicine that guarantees you will never have a pang of doubt. Some of you are here tonight thinking, oh, that man's full of faith. Yes, I'm also at, uh, at times full of doubt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know the prayer. I have faith, but oh Lord, help me in my unbelief. <laughs> help me in my unbelief. There's many doubts that we can have. Faith does, is not the removal of those doubts and neither is faith the magic formula. Very quickly, because of time, there are five things that I want to just let me make sure there are, oh, sorry, six, six things that I want to just lay in as a value that will help us under faith. Number one, for those who are taking notes, faith is imperative. It's imperative. It's one of those things that you can't leave home without. It's impossible to actually come to God without faith. It's so imperative. It's like wearing your, your, your trousers or your dress, trousers men and your, your dresses lady. It's imperative that we put it on. Faith. Faith is imperative. It really is. And you see Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 10, which we haven't got time for, shows us how it takes us from deadness to our destiny and purpose in God. Faith in Jesus. It's imperative. Secondly, faith is indispensable. It's indispensable. Again, we live in such a throwaway society. This is not something that we can just dispense of at whim. It's indispensable, this faith. It really is. I love what it talks about in Hebrews 12, verse one to three, where it talks about there's a great cloud of witnesses who were cheering us on. And verse two says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because the joy awaited him, he endured the cross, speaking of Jesus, disregarding the shame of the cross. And now Jesus is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. This faith is not to be thrown away, guys. There are too many people who have thrown away their faith so cheaply. And you might be here and questioning lots of things. It's okay to have questions. But I want to say this, this faith is true. It's solid. It's rock solid. It's dependable. You can build your life upon it. Thirdly, this faith is invisible. I wish I could explain you and show you what faith looks like. I've tried to give you a few examples, but actually 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, Paul says, for we live by faith and not by sight. Sometimes seeing is not believing. Some people say to me, you show me God, 
You show me God, then I'll believe Him. And I, I just point them to creation and, and, and then this whole other argument. But I wanna say, who put all the stars in, sp- in space? Who holds creation together? Who formed our bodies to make us so um, well put together? It's amazing how our bodies, I'm not clever enough to work it out, but I've heard some very clever people talk about some very clever things. And it starts to remind me that we have a very clever God who created all this cleverness. <laughs> and some of you are real graduates and students and as you can see I'm not that clever but what I do know is that faith is invisible and I actually do believe in God who I have not seen but I have heard I may not have heard him audibly but I know he spoke to me and I remember an 11 year old boy on his knees weeping his heart out because I knew I needed a saviour and in that moment I know he met with me And there's many years over that time that he's comforted me in trouble. He's upholded me, he's protected me. So don't anybody tell me that I need to see him before I believe in him, because I want to tell you this faith that we walk by, we walk by faith and not by sight. So much more I could say, but faith is invisible. Fourthly, faith is invaluable. Faith is invaluable. 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's been tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter is speaking about the contrast between gold and faith. And it is more valuable than gold. You cannot put a price on faith. You can't. It's invaluable. It's far more precious than anything else that you can think of. It's it's worth more value than Warren Buffett and Bill Gates combined. You cannot put a, a value on faith. And this book in Peter was written to a suffering church. And there are still many in the world who are opposed because of their faith. But we need to realise that whenever and whatever we go through, our faith is of greater value than gold. You may be suffering in your workplace. There are people around the world who suffer for their faith, but their faith is invaluable. Fifthly, faith is impenetrable. All I want to say on this, there is no way that the fiery darts of the enemy can come against the shield of faith. It talks about in Ephesians 6 verse 16 that we are to take up the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God and we're also called to take up the shield of faith that distinguishes or extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy. I love that. And of course it's talking in the day of not just this little thing that we like, you know, we hold up. These these shields were big. They were strong. Can you remember the Robin Hood, Robin Hood, running through the glen and all that and the fiery darts and all the tar, it would have been all that and they used to put their, their shields up and the enemy, they would put them together. There's a whole diagram around this and visualisation of us standing strong together. Can you imagine us standing strong with our shields of faith now, holding them together? And the fiery darts come. That is why it's important that we stay together, guys. That is why it's important that we are united one with another. We don't allow the room for the enemy to get in. We hold it together. And as he fires the darts, our shield of faith extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy. 
is impenetrable. Our faith is impenetrable as we stand together strong. And lastly, our faith is irrepressible. I love that word, irrepressible. In Acts 4 verse 13, it's said of the early church leaders that these men have been with Jesus and nothing could keep them down and nothing could hold them back. It was irrepressible, irrepressible. There was no way they were going to be stopped. There were no way they were going to be silenced. There was no way they were going to be quietened down. And that is what we're talking about here in Nottingham. There is, there is an irrepressible faith. doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us, Nathan, Jonathan and Vinny and, you know, Emmanuel and Elliot and all the rest of us. Nothing is going to stop the purposes of God unfolding here. Our faith is irrepressible. Let me tell you, there are going to be challenges that you will have to face in your life. Because that is life. But if you will enter into this faith and take on this faith, it becomes irrepressible. When people say you can't, then you begin to believe God's word, not what they're telling you. And that's why I say to some of our young guys, carry a dream in your heart. When everybody says it can't be done, I'm saying, who are they who says it can't be done? With God, all things are possible. There are many people who are saying they'll never build a church in Hockley, Nottingham, they'll never build a church in that building. It's too difficult. There are many people who are praying for our downfall, not Christians. There are many people who are wishing and hoping. But I want to tell you that our faith is irrepressible. We have been with Jesus. And because they have been with Jesus, they turned the world upside down. Wow. If we would just continue to lean in and trust God, and carry this value and behavior of faith, then nothing will be impossible to us. So can I encourage you as I close to be a disciple? Or look at me for a moment. For all of us to be a disciple. Not just carry the name Christian. I happen to carry that name anyway in the natural. But also the characteristics of a disciple, a learner, a student, someone who lives with the challenge and the calling and the commission and the commitment. But out of that, there's the value of faith. Let me just, as I, as I finish with this, faith means we believe in the impossible. I love that. Anybody else with me? I love that. We believe for the impossible. Can I make a declaration? I'm still believing that even in this place, we're going to see people who are going to be wonderfully set free from all kinds of sicknesses. As we lay hands upon the sick, the Bible says they will recover. We're believing that people are going to come in in darkness and go out in light. We're believing that there are going to be chains that are going to be broken in the name of Jesus. We believe for the impossible. We really do. We also, this means that we follow the Bible and what God says, even when it doesn't fully make sense. We're not asking you to leave your brains at the door. We're not asking you to not think. But like I said, there's been many occasions when it didn't quite compute and work out, but I just knew that God was speaking to me. Thirdly, we actively take steps of faith and we're not passive. 
So in worship, let's come with our faith game on. You know how you have a game face? Let's have a game faith on. Let's come in faith. When I'm preaching or whoever's preaching, let's lean in with the events that are happening. Let's believe that we're going to see God do the immeasurably more. We, we take active steps of faith. And lastly, we believe that God is working in our lives. Listen to me very carefully for you who are really struggling and under the cosh. We believe that God is working in our lives even when we can't see it. What I've realised is this, a revelation came to me. When we are often at our worst, that's when God's at his best. When when we're often at our worst, that's when God does his best work. So if you're struggling and you're at your worst, you need to know there's one in heaven who's now at his best. And faith says we just call out to him because we are weak and we are vulnerable and we say, God, please help me. Please help me.